everybody. This is John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the aquatic kids cartoon, Octonauts. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Much better than I was a few days ago. Uh, I got my shot. I got my Johnson & Johnson. I know. It's so exciting. Yeah. That was some fever I got from it, though. I know some people have no side effects. Some people just have a sore arm, and some people really get walloped, and I turned out to be in the last camp, but only for about 24 hours, and then uh, it faded, and I'm on my way to invincibility. How about Anna? Did she have symptoms? She did as well, yeah. Yeah, just about the same. She handled them with more grace than I did, as is typical. But God, yes, I I already knew that. You didn't have to say that. (laughs) Really? I mean, Dad didn't have... This this was very weird, but the day that Dad got his shot, I got all the same symptoms that I had when I got my first shot. So that was very weird. You got the symptoms when he got his shot? Yes, and did he come out of it okay or what? He had nothing. <laughs> he had nothing. I had the headache, the fever, something else. Oh, and couldn't stay awake. Just slept, 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 oh, slept, slept. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I got my second shot. I got Moderna. You got one and done. Yeah. I got my second shot Saturday. Yeah. How'd that go? It was horrible. It was horrible. There, I didn't want to go down to Hookset and get my shot, but there were no appointments where I got my first shot. God, so I went. What a mess! Uh, it was a mess. It was a mess. So I got my second shot down in Hookset. Well, it's just a big parking lot of Southern New Hampshire University or whatever it's called mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And you're in this very big parking lot, but it's not big enough because there is two <laughs> miles of traffic oh, Lord. lined up just to get in oh. there. You never get out of your car. They line you up like like you're going to the Hopkinton Fair. Leave three inches between your car and you're lined up in rows of however many, where you sit. And it took four hours for me to get my shot. Oh, Lord. And the first time, your first shot was big bang boom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was incredible. And I finally, I looked it up in the newspaper and they said there were thousands and thousands of people there. And they said it was because people showed up that didn't have appointments well, why weren't they turned away? As long as they're there, as long as they're there, might as well give them a shot. I guess was the philosophy. Well, I had a, I had my appointment was at one twenty, and I got my shot like at four thirty. Yeah, that's crazy. And you, you know, there's there's a there's a couple of porta potties, but there's who comes with water and a snack or lunch. Lunch and dinner. Yeah, was it just you? you? Know? 
No, it was me and dad. So I have to, I owe him a foot rub because I just felt so bad that, that he was, you know, put through this. And once you're in the line, you can't get out. So it's, did you run out of conversation at any point? No, I rolled down the window and sang my Buster Brown song right out loud. Um, nobody cared. Uh, it was just very odd. It was all very, and nobody tells you what you're doing. You think you get in this line and you think, oh, here we go. But nope, you got to sit here for an hour before it's your turn to go you... down to the other part. It was awful. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad you've got your second shot. Me and too. You never Me have too. to deal with that again now. There's no third shot for now, at uh, least. For now, yeah. Yeah, knock wood. Uh, <laughs> I don't, but I don't know. I don't know about this variant that has now appeared in every state. So, uh, you know, I'm not running out to, uh, as you say, lick doorknobs just yet. <laughs> Uh, it's this variant. I mean, it's true, but it's also like the news will latch on to anything to scare you. Oh, my gosh. If you even listen to the first 10 minutes of the news, it it's that's enough. Maybe it's true. five. It's terrible. Ma, there was an article in The Times the other day and The New York Times. Um, and I really don't click on any COVID news at this point because every story reads the same. Experts are yeah. worried. Oh, yes. flare variant here, flare up here. <laughs> Experts yeah. are worried. And there, but there was a story about um, zero new cases in, I believe it was the Navajo Nation somewhere. Um, and as like zero cases. Now that is a story. I, how did they do yeah. that? Yeah. Fourth paragraph, but experts are are concerned about the potential for new variants to unleash a new surge. And I was just uh, like, oh, right. Like their angle is going to be nowhere to go but up. And that yeah. really was the, you know, it's just. And there was a study done recently that showed that American media's coverage of the coronavirus has been proportionally much more negative and consistently negative. Oh. Um, you know, we're not allowed to have any optimism. Like, it it feels like every time we start to feel some optimism, it just gets tamped down. And look, I know that the cases have plateaued, and it's not all sunshine and lollipops. But like we've said before, if you had told us a year ago, hey, you're going to— I would have shot in my arm by now. I would have been like—I would have been in tears. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> I can't believe that we're going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, if we're going to get to a place where people aren't dying by the hundreds every day— we need to be able to visualize that story and not just have yeah, it be this. Yeah. And I also think that the constant drumbeat of negative coverage ultimately leads people to tune it out and to ignore stuff they really should be paying attention to, like, hey, keep your masks on for now. That's, you know, because yeah. the way it's covered, it just seems like the another forever war, our favorite thing in America, just another forever war um, that will scare you until the end of time. And people have had it. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's true. I think people are worn out and tired. I mean, I have to tell you that a story will come on the, the television about something, something that's going on. And Daddy and I will just say, I just can't. I just, I can't. I can't do it. 
you know, your emotions, they're just, they're just taking them and wringing them out. And it's a, you know, yeah. The American news media is a big machine designed to do exactly that every day. I have a question for you Yeah, because you started out at CNN Yeah, and when I was a child, the news came on and the, the Walter Cronkite or whoever said, here's the news. Uh, Russia did this. Cuba did this. The Cincinnati Zoo got a new this. And that was it. That was the news. Yeah. It wasn't manipulative um, well, to my memory. Yeah. It was just the news. And somewhere along the line, news became mixed up with entertainment yeah. of some sort. It was like it was like you're reading the the Inquirer, and now you're suddenly reading the Enquirer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the news has always been manipulative. Man- Manipulative to some degree, I would argue. But okay. you know, this Walter Cronkite era that you're talking about, there was a, a sense of public service to it. And the, more to the point, there was a sense that the airwaves belonged to the public and ought to be used in service of the public. Now, was that a perfect system? No. But I think there was that in the post war era, there was uh, just a societal recognition that these tools of broadcast are really powerful and that they mm. sh- can shape society. And so, yes, they were regulated, they were licensed, and but in an extra legal way, society viewed the broadcast as belonging to the whole of this culture we have in the United States, and it was treated with a certain measure of sobriety. Now, in an era where you have a thousand channels and a constant stream of tweets and a million websites, Mm. the inherent value of the news is pretty sharply diminished because it's it's a glut, right? It's not three networks in your daily newspaper anywhere. It's a constant presence. And so this notion of public service and of um, editorial discretion is really gone. It's flood the zone, and it's really, it's click on this, and it's emotional, and it's just, it's all designed to, quote-unquote, engage you perpetually. And engage Mm. really means enrage. It means to inflame your emotions so that you feel you cannot look away. Um, That's like 90% of the news. Now, you you and I, we want to know what's going on in the world. Most people do. Um, so you're drawn to the news, but uh, honest to God, I just want to tell people like most of it is poison and you have to really consume it carefully and with skepticism and thoughtfully, uh, to get any benefit from it because it's easy. And I say this not as someone who is an ascetic and manages to look away from the news most of the time, like, I get drawn in, too. Like, I'm speaking from experience, and my emotions get inflamed, too. And I just want people to know, like, this is by design. Like, when you have a fight on Facebook, it's because Facebook is designed to lead you to the fight, to make you fight, and then have other people look at that fight so they'll get drawn in, too. 
Um, it's the design of the machine that's at work here. And the way the news makes you feel is the design of the machine. And it doesn't necessarily link up to the way the world really is. And that's the especially maddening part to me, because I'm trying to discern some truth of the world, and it's harder and harder to make it out through the haze of sensationalism and inflamed emotions. So mm. I didn't mean to get into my whole view on media. No, the, no, on it was media, very interesting. But. But it's very interesting because it's a tough, like you say, I do want to, I, I do want to know what's going on. I don't want you to manipulate me. Well, you, you are always being played. That's what I tell, um, you know, I've, the year I was doing the TV show, my executive producer had me talk to a number of student groups who came through. And that was the one message, you know, young students in media studies or communications and, that was the one message I always tried to leave them with is you're always being played. So be aware of how you're being played. And that's the first step to being an informed and confident um, consumer of, of news and of media. Um, just recognize that fact and, and try to discern how your emotions are being manipulated and how your passions and desires are being manipulated. It's not easy, but I do think it's important. I do too. And, and, and I'll, I'll say that I think it's important also from a mental health yeah. point. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Which is very much also in the news lately. You yeah. know, people's, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. that's right. They, they provide you the medicine to try to cure the disease that they themselves <laughs> cause. That's right. It. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's a, it's a one-stop shop. Um, and I don't mean to romanticize the Walter Cronkite era because no. there were issues with limited point of view and, um, you know, there's issues with that model, too. But I do think it's important to recognize what we've lost and what we might need to build again. And I think that sense of um, these communications media as belonging to the public, we could use some more of that. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to something a little later. Sure. Or did you want to say that as the host? <laughs> no, an excellent segue, Mom. Move. Go ahead. Okay. So I had to go to the drugstore last week also to pick up a prescription. As you know, I tend not to do real well in a store, but um, I, I can go into the drugstore for a short amount of time. I stepped in um, and I was looking, just looking a little bit at the Easter stuff because I had already sent my box to you. There was nothing I wanted. And I thought, geez, I haven't read a newspaper in a long time. Maybe I'll get a newspaper. And I stepped over and this guy comes up and he sort of um, fingers one of those magazines that they they put out for the tourists, you know, this is uh, yeah. sort, you know what I'm saying? I mm -hmm. forget what it's called, but um, he says, when are they going to print another one of these? And I look over and at that moment I said, damn, he turns around and says to me, now I'm just going to tell you what he said to me and it's going to take about a minute. Okay. Okay. So he says to me, I had a whole collection of these. I had them from the almost the first year they started printing them 
and my house burnt to the ground. And I was trying to put a log in the fireplace and it fell out and it caught fire. And I was trying to call the fire department. And just as I was giving the address, the phone cord burnt through and the house became engulfed and I ran outside. All I had on was my snowmobile outfit and bare feet. And I ran over to the neighbors and knocked on the door. Knock, 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 knock. Nobody answered. The door was locked. It was the middle of the night. So I ran to the other door and I knocked, 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 knocked. And then I just stepped in. The door was open and I stepped in and I went into the bedroom because these people were asleep. And I said, Mr. Peabody, you have to you, you have to call the fire department. You have to call the fire department. And he said, I opened the curtains and I looked out and there was two police cars in the driveway. But I didn't need police cars. I needed the fire engines. So Mr. Peabody got on the phone and I put on his slippers and went back outside. And the fire trucks pulled up and they threw a kiddie pool in the middle of the road and they were taking water from that, and my house burnt to the ground, and it was a quarter of a million dollar house, and it burnt to the ground. And Simple I thought, hello I would have done, would have been <laughs> fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I all I could think of was, why does this happen to me? I don't understand my energy at all. I was just considering a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this poor, and I, so, you know, and I'm making along the way, I'm saying, oh, wow, thank heaven you're alive. And, you know, all the, all the things yeah. that you say. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a snowplow. It didn't even matter. He was just going to tell me this tale of, whoa. Then he says to me, <laughs> and then he says to me. Oh, I should tell you about the time I tried to move a boat from Rhode Island to <laughs> Massachusetts. Oh, Lord. Yeah, let's go he on said, that journey. It's a story that takes three hours. <laughs> and then he realized. <laughs> and then he realized he had too much stuff in his arms. And he said, I need a basket. That's what I need. I need a basket. And he wandered off. You know, you meet I, people like this and you wonder, like, how do they make it through life? Like, this person is a total shambles for the two minutes you spent with them. And, yeah. you know, and it kind of like that just leaves me thinking, like, is their whole day like this? Just, just totally scattered. Oh, and First of all, I'm glad you think that story took two minutes because it did yeah. not. <laughs> First of all. So... I'm a little shell shocked at this point as, you know, sure. given my my own sensibility. And now I'm thinking about him, just thinking about him. Like, I wonder if he takes medication or if he's mm. all right or, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about him. Yeah. So I, I do my stuff. I get in line and I ended up picking up... Um, psychology today instead of a newspaper and so I'm standing in line and there's five people so we're pretty spaced out and this woman comes by and she says oh my dear you dropped this you dropped this out of your magazine 
And I'm thinking, well, I don't like how close you are to me, first of all. But now she bends over and she, do you know what she handed me? What, subscription card? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I just said, this place is nuts. This place is creepy nuts. I can't wait to get out of here. Was it like um, a, was it like a passive aggressive thing? Like, oh, you dropped this, you slob. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I took it. But, uh, you know, so I went outside and looked for the bus because maybe this was a bus from <laughs> on a day trip from a nursing home or something. I just thought everybody was very weird in there that day. You know, people have been cooped up. And I think uh, their weirdness has had time to fester because I am concerned that I'm weirder than I already was <laughs> as a result of the limited. I mean, at least I have my family, but as a result of the limited in-person contact I've had over the past year, I think we're all uh, maybe a bit weirder than we used to be. <laughs> Gosh, I hope not, because, you know, I'm I'm a little on the weird side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not so weird that um, a magazine would prompt. You know what this uh, tourist magazine makes me think of? That time my house burned down. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and let me share this with a woman that I've never met before. Let me tell her the whole story and how I had to wear Mr. Peabody's bedroom slip. <laughs> like, that's one of the details you remember? Yeah, and I love... I love that this is what he collects. The magazine that's just like, here's this lake, and uh, why not try eating at one of these restaurants? Like, there's nothing to it, especially if you live there. Like, it's all stuff that we know. Um, and I just, I mean, I'm just charmed by when is the latest, when is the latest uh, issue of this going to come out? Like, who cares? Nothing changes. Well, then, and then I find out, see, there's so many details I left out, but then I find out that this happened in 2019, that his house burnt to the ground. Oh. So, so he, he really is looking forward to the new issue. <laughs> wow. What an encounter. Yeah. So I'll be staying home for a while. <laughs> for a while. Yeah, it sounds that way. <laughs> And God bless him. You know, he was very sweet, too. I just want to say that. He was very sweet. and Yeah, he doesn't sound like a bad guy. No. Just, um, no. A little out of touch, maybe. A little out of touch and a little eager for company, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say he's been cooped up in his house all year, but I don't, I don't know if he has. I'm not sure he has a house. He might be living in his car. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I all didn't right. have another half hour to find out. Well, I, I'm not going to get sad all over again. Uh, oh, for this no, guy, so no, we'll no. have to we'll have to move on. But uh, I I hope all is well with this uh, strange fellow. Um, uh, I want to get to our review of Octonauts. Um, the reason we're doing Octonauts is because uh, my kids watch it so much. And I haven't watched anything new since we got turned on to Taskmaster because there's so much Taskmaster to watch. So uh, part of the reason this episode of the podcast was delayed is, A, I got my shot last week and felt like crap. But B, I, for the life of me, I couldn't come up with something for us to uh, talk about. Um, 
Taskmaster. So send us your suggestions. Yeah, you, don't send us Taskmaster again because we're, you know. We love it. Oh. We would review it in a, in a minute all over again. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, um, all I can say is that it's one of our heartiest recommendations in, in some time. Um, but that has just been, it's been wonderful. And I got my friend Rick turned on to it now, too. Oh, He's cool. hooked on it. He's blazed. He blazed through season one or whatever after he got his shot and was yeah. feeling low. Uh, it was great for that. Boy, being stuck in bed. Um, it's it's wonderful. But we cannot spend another week uh, singing the glories <laughs> of Taskmaster. So let's talk about Octonauts and maybe kids TV in general, I think we'll get to. Okay. But let's start with Octonauts. All right. You ready, Mom? I'm ready. In every episode of the cartoon series Octonauts, a plucky crew of adorable animals explores the ocean on a mission to better understand the creatures of the deep, protect them from harm, and rescue them from peril. The crew of Octonauts includes the empathetic medic Peso, a penguin, daredevil cryptozoologist Quasi, a cat, industrious engineer Tweak, a rabbit, and their polar bear leader, Captain Barnacles. Here's a clip. Keep your eyes peeled for mantis shrimp. <gasps> Hermit crabs. Captain, they don't look well. We're too big for ourselves. When we get bigger, we have to find new ones. But we can't find any new shells on this reef that are big enough to fit us. Captain, Shellington has a huge collection of shells in the lab. And I'm sure some of those shells are just the right size for you hermit crabs. Really? Bigger shells? Ooh. You're not just pulling my claw, are you? Everyone aboard the Octopod for new shells. Oh, can't wait to get out of this old shell. Octonauts is available on Netflix in the United States, at least. Elsewhere, check your local listings. Mom... Did you plunge deep into the world of Octonauts, or do you need to come up for air? Ugh, come up for air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, as a disclaimer, I do want to say that I watched this on the day of my raging headache and chills. So, <laughs> great. After uh, I got my shot. So, well, what did you make of it? I didn't like it at all. At all? I didn't like it at all. Oh well, all right. I thought it was cute. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't like the story. I didn't like it seemed too all kumbaya to me. <laughs> here's a here's a an accent for everyone in the world and I found it I watched the movie. Um most of the movie. Oh, okay. The Ring of Fire? But, uh, well, this was in the ocean where they're trying to get the octopus back to the... Oh, right. Um, the caves of something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and I was um, mildly irritated by the fact that the, the octopus ends up in a river, which is, you know, fresh water. And then I said, well, all right, you know, it's children... They they don't get it, but oh, there was salt water somewhere, and then there was a leak, and I just I didn't feel that I felt it was like feeding baby food to 
children because I think of I think of Leo and Eve watching this and there's just no challenge. It's just like sugary sweet pouring over my grandchildren. Well, Leo is five, Eve is three. Um, those are those are my kids, and they have been. This is their favorite right now, and yeah. uh, every night they get a little bit of TV, and this is what they choose to watch pretty much every night, unless we force them to watch something else. I don't really force them because I find this a lot uh, less tedious than some of the other stuff they might be into, like Dora the Explorer. They were on that yeah. kick. Oh my god. Um, and it's not so simplistic as as that. So, uh, I mean, the story is the same every time they, you know, encounter some sea animal who's in danger and they rescue rescue the animal. And along the way, I know you watched sort of the movie, but in each half hour, yeah. there's two stories like this. And along the way, we learn a little something about creatures of the deep. I will say that the kids... Especially Leo is especially interested in ocean creatures now and can tell you all about um, the creatures that the octonauts encounter and their, um, you know, the lessons seem to stick. Uh, again, you watched the movie, but in the sort of episodic uh, octonauts, they, after each story, they take a break for a creature report and there's a song and they recap some of the facts about the creatures. It really seems to stick with the kids, especially Leo, as I said. And um, as you know, I have a fondness for ocean creatures. And uh, that's, you know, that's probably my prime environmental concern is uh, the ocean. So I'm glad for them to be learning about these things and caring about them. Um, Your commentary brings me to my main question for this review, since obviously this is not for us, which is, you know, what do you look for in programming that you show your kids? I was raised on Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, and uh, game shows. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty much my media diet. A fine, well-rounded diet, if ever there was one. When I was Leo's age. Um, you know, if it's not this, what, you know, say you had to program the TV yeah. for, uh, for even Leo one evening or one week, what would you be looking for? Well, let me just tell you this little short story. Also, I know Great. we're really long this week, but no, we're not. Um, no, don't worry. Okay. Well, one time I went to take care of Ashton, your nephew. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, we didn't see him frequently, but we saw him frequently enough that, you know, he knew who I was and whatever. But he wasn't really good with a change in routine, maybe. I'll say that. And his parents were going to a wedding. So uh, not being very mechanical, we got Barney on. And I sat him on my lap so that he was just looking at the TV, wasn't looking at me. And we kind of snuggled. But he wouldn't fall asleep. And we watched four episodes of Barney twice. And he still wouldn't fall asleep. So uh, the only other choice was Barney in Spanish. And he went right to sleep. And... I thought, well, why didn't I try this an hour and a half ago? But anyway, um, uh, Barney is 
That's rock he, bottom. That's rock bottom. There you go. I could yep. really. Yes, that was rock bottom. This is not rock bottom. No. But when I what I always enjoyed about Sesame Street was that they varied the sequences of things. It was uh, maybe real people making soup, um, you know, a Hispanic family making chicken soup. Then a the letter of the day, uh, the mm. number of the day cartoon, mm. you know, which I can still remember. Yep. Songs, little blips of this. It was very interesting and engaging, and you wanted to see what was next. Mm. I felt like I thought it was uh, not overstimulating, but engaging and stimulating. Um, there was a sense of humor. Bert and Ernie were very funny. Big Bird sort of had the same feelings as mm. your children mm. might. And then there were adults around uh, for a sense of security and and teaching and, and such. And I thought that was so well-rounded and really excellent. Uh, so I like that. I also like... Um, nature programs that are at a certain level. I don't want to, I wouldn't want to show Eve and Leo um, the part of nature that is harsh, yeah. you know, the lion eating the leopard and or yeah. whatever, you Ooh, know. Wow. Well, gee, that's quite a scenario you dreamed of. Yeah, I there. know. Whoa. Yeah, I know. That would be some that fight. Would, that, would, that would be a little over the top. Um, and I always thought that, in particular, the 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 show that we watched, the National Geographic show of the birds that made uh, had mating rituals. Mm. I thought that would be very engaging for adults and children who don't really understand what they're talking about. But it's quite beautiful, and the birds are all interesting. That's that's something that a uh, an adult and a child can enjoy. I thought Sesame Street was like that. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so you're looking, that's the model that you're, that's your ideal, I guess, for kids' programs. I guess, yes. Yeah, I mean, even Sesame Street is, I mean, it's still that. Um, the segments are longer on Sesame Street, I feel like. I could be wrong. Um, but it seems like the segments are longer on Sesame Street now, and they got that Elmo's World sort of show within a show every time oh. that takes up a lot of a lot of the oxygen. Um, it's not quite the same, but it is still that variety show that you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you feel like Octonauts is too, there's just not enough to it, it sounds like. There's just not enough to it. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's intelligent enough. Is that what I mean? Maybe. I don't, and you know, and I'm also going to tell you, I really don't like, all the toys that that yes. go with the yeah. show. I just because before we talked, I I went on Amazon and looked up Octonauts, and there's stuffies and plastic toys and scenarios, and there's just there's just a lot of it. And uh, you know, I think until your kids can buy their own Metallica T-shirts, 
your money is not well spent on these items because they're here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. Well, we don't have any of the merchandise, um, although I know there's a lot of it. But along the same lines, yeah, they're they the Octonauts themselves have a lot of toys, and uh, especially oh. if they've got a lot of gups. Uh, the Gup B, the Gup A, the uh, these are these little ships and machines that they use to explore and to solve problems. And my one sort of fundamental problem with the series is that um, technology always saves the day. I mean, it's of course it's oh. the Octonauts' pluck and 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 dedication and all that as well. But um, there is often some gadget or some ship that they're using and. Um, I think technology will save the day is a pretty dangerous message um, for the state that the planet is in. Um, it's that's that's my issue with the whole how the world is is constructed. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I think technology saves the day because we're so obsessed with STEM, science, technology, yes. etc. Right uh. now, and you know the um, Dashi, the who was the engineer, Dashi or um, tweaks uh, the engineer but um I, i'm sorry leo and eve that i got that mixed up i hope they don't hear this um <laughs> but you know they they she's always coming up with some new uh technology and she really knows her her stuff and i think okay they're modeling you, this stem expertise for kids yeah um i think our obsession with stem is a little overdone frankly right now in society i think that the humanities I think we but that's use how we little... do everything. We yeah. we don't do things. We overdo it. Yeah, it's true. But my, what breaks my heart is that I feel like the humanities have gotten uh, lost in the mix, and I think that we need humanity more than ever uh, yeah. right now. Um, so, but there is uh, humanity and compassion to the Octonauts too. I think it's pretty harmless. The kids love it, and I also like they don't watch it all day. You know, they get, yes. they get to watch yes. an episode um, a day, if that, if they haven't lost their TV privileges that day or whatever. Um, so I don't think it's hurting them. And this is the other thing is I feel like they've reached a certain point of um, humanhood where, okay, they get to decide, a, like, they get to decide what they want to watch. Like, you, yeah. you were good today. You did your... <clears throat> your worksheets, you did your studies and you cooperated. Like, why shouldn't you get to decide what to do with your time for, for half I an agree. hour? I um, agree. And, but they love the Octonauts. They both love it. Um, that's, that's nice. It's nice that they're so close in age yes. that they can both be into something. And yeah. also, I, you know, every time it comes to the creature report, Leo looks, looks over at me. Because I say, ooh, the creature report, and he yeah, loves to yeah. get excited about it with me. And all I, like, I don't even have to play, pay close attention, but he loves Quasi, the pirate, you know, sort of mischievous and, you mateys. And, like, I think it has some of that sort of mischievous boy energy um, that yeah. he can relate to. And so if Quasi says something silly, you know, and I'm sort of half paying attention, all I have to do is say, Quasi, you and Leo just <laughs> grins ear to ear. He loves to share that with me. Yeah. Um, so if we can bond that little bit and it's not obnoxious yeah. or so tedious as Dora the Explorers or Barney, God forbid, um, that's, you know, you have to make these 
I think when you start out first with kids, it's like, I'm going to be the perfect parent and raise the perfect child. Oh. And then, oh, I never thought that. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you certainly want to be the best that you can be, right? Yes, and definitely. Do I think Octonauts is perfect? I don't, but I all like it's good enough. And there are a lot of moments I've learned in parenting where you have to accept that's that's good enough. That's not going to hurt them. That's right. <laughs> Move on with that's your right. life, right? That's right. Oh, they ate jello at someone's house. Eh, all right. It's a little food coloring, a lot of sugar. Fine. You know, yeah. they're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's just how it is. Now, I do have a quick question for you, though. Mm -hmm. Would you consider. Uh, Maxwell Smart's shoe phone stem. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Why did? Oh, okay. Uh, Mom's talking about an old spy spoof show called Get Smart. Um, and what was the name of of Maxwell Smart? Um, Adams. Um, uh, what's his first name? <laughs> um, I can't think of it. Don. Don Adams, good. Uh, uh, he also voiced Inspector Gadget, if you uh, you may be more familiar with him from that role. But uh, why do you bring that up? Well, just because uh, when we were talking about technology saving the day, um, <laughs> I don't know, that just popped into my head for some odd reason. Now, Inspector Gadget there, talk about having a gadget for everything that got a yeah, right. this and that. Yeah. Boy, no kidding. Although Inspector Gadget was also a cautionary tale on how technology could go wrong. Yeah, wasn't he, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty deep once you peel, once you yeah. peel away the layers of the onion there on Inspector That's Gadget. That's right. All right, Mom, what's your grade for Octonauts? I'll give it a C. It's something that I would have sat next to you or Jenna and... Uh, and done my sewing or knitting or whatever and been very happy that you weren't screaming and yelling. Yeah, yeah. So I give it a C. <laughs> uh, Mom, do you have a recommendation this week? I do. Um, I have two things. The first thing is there's a new season of Stizzle on Netflix, which is about a Jewish family that lives in Israel I think I'm not sure where they live, but it's very interesting. It's a very um, informative, interesting uh, look at the lives of people from another world to many of us. Um, and I do love this show and I love the characters and hmm. it has a, some cleverness to it. This is on but Netflix, is the, you said, Ma? Yes. Yes. And uh, it's spelled S-H-T-I-S-E-L if you're looking to search for it. Stizzle. And if you can say it correctly, which Daddy and I can't seem to say it <laughs> quite right three times in a row, uh, more power to you. The other recommendation I have is a book called Save Me the Plums. It's by Ruth. Oh, I can't read this. I'm going to go with Reichel. R-E-I-C-H-L. Okay. I'm going to say it's pronounced Reichel. Okay. And this is a book about how she took over Gourmet Magazine and took it from being a highbrow, snobby magazine to something that became very beloved under her stewardship. 
um, and it's been a very interesting read so far. Although uh, I would like to say to whoever published it, I'm very unclear why 60 pages are upside down in my book. Oh, whoops. How does that happen? I don't know. Uh, I have seen that before. It's weird, isn't it? How does that it's happen? It's very weird. I don't know. Somebody just said, eh, let a couple thousand go through. I'll check them after lunch. I don't know. Yeah. It's Huh. All right. Well, hopefully your copy of the book, Good Listener, will be right side up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a double recommendation from Mom this week. The series, uh, drama series Stizzle on Netflix and uh, Save Me the Plums by Ruth Reichel, a uh, memoir of her time at Gourmet Magazine, you said, Mom? Yes, yes. Wow, okay. D two for the price of one. And the price of one is zero, so <laughs> you guys made out like bandits this week. That'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week or thereabouts to talk about more pop culture. Um, well, what should we talk about? Something interesting. Something interesting. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. And we love to get email. It's popbomb at ological.net. Talk to us about anything under the sun. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you too. <laughs>